welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope. I'm Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your hosts for the podcast. This week, we have Ginger Jacks from Montgomery, Alabama, and we are very excited to share this story. She actually shared in a live setting this summer, and while we were doing listener favorites, they were having live gatherings, which we are so thankful for, and so today we are going to bring you Ginger's story. I know. I'm so excited for everyone to hear her story because she honestly, she titled her story actually at the very beginning (laughs) that she she, um, began speaking called Hope in the Unseen. And I really think it's going to just encourage you guys to know that God is working in the details of everyone's life in this world. We just might not see it, but there is hope there. And I think you're really going to enjoy listening to her story and be encouraged in your faith. One thing we want to remind you of before we hear Ginger's story is that our Bible study, When God Shows Up, is now shipping and available on our website. When God Shows Up is an eight-week Bible study where you You can listen with friends in a small group, or you can do it yourself. You listen to eight different podcasts, and you learn more about who you are in Christ, your identity, surrendering. It's great. You're going to love it. We've had such great feedback. Also, we have Discover Your Story, which is an individual Bible study journal that you could also do in a small group to discover your own story, to write your story, and really, really spend some time looking at how God shows up in the details of your life. So go to storytellerslive.org and check it out today. Here's Ginger. Um, I want to I titled it. I just looked back at some of the other stories and they had a title. title and uh, the title of mine today is Hope in the Unseen. And um, first, I want to just start off giving him the glory because um, Kevin has the saying that he says to me, You touch the glory, you lose the power. And I could not be sitting here without the, the power of the Holy Spirit in, in my life. And so he has given me everything and he's given me the power to speak tonight. I want to give you a little background of who I am and where I come from. I grew up in Montgomery. We grew up in a um, loving home. I have two brothers, and we attended church every Sunday. But when I was in sixth grade, I was asked to go to a Baptist revival, and I went forward at that revival and asked Jesus into my heart. And I really don't think I understood clearly what I had done at that time. But the next year, um, we were in a, my parents attended a neighborhood Bible study for couples. And it was really neat. The first week, my mom accepted Christ, and the next week, my dad did. And it was then that I saw this change in my family. My dad and my mom had such a love for the work. And I remember waking up early in the morning and seeing the light on in the dinner where my parents were studying God's Word. I, I saw... Christ become the center of a home that wasn't the center before. And so it really took notice in my life. And I started thinking, well, this decision just doesn't, you just don't make a decision that impacts everything you do. So my upbringing was pretty normal. Um, There was a couple of things that I experienced that I think the Lord was using to prepare me for this journey that I would be going through later on. One of them um, in the eighth grade, I was diagnosed with scoliosis, um, curvature in the spine. And my parents and I had decided that I would wear back brace. And so this back brace was, um, weighed 30 pounds. It was called a Milwaukee back brace. Don't ask me why. Milwaukee back brace. And I wore it 23 hours a day. I got an hour off for a shower. 
And I remember those trips going to Birmingham where I would get x-rays and they'd say, no, not yet. No, not yet. And I, I've worked for three years, eighth, ninth, and tenth grade. Just, you know, those years when you're in junior high. And I remember my parents and I would pray when we would go. And the disappointment when I'd come home. We would we'd repeat Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together, even the good and the bad, to bring him glory and our good. And so even at that time, being in a brace made me different. You know, no one, no one in my high school or junior high had a brace. I don't think they ever saw one like that. So it, it already started setting me apart, um, I believe, in, from everyone else. When I graduated from Trinity, I went on to Auburn where I graduated from there. And I had been on a beach project my junior year, after my junior year in college. So I got a passion for the loss. And so after I graduated from Auburn, I went to Peru as a missionary. I was on a short-term mission trip, phenomenal. I was with um, 30 other college students from all over the United States and Canada, and we just had an incredible time, but I got malaria, and I was very, very sick. It was, um, they thought I wasn't going to make it, and I thought, I'm going to die over here in Peru. It was just, it was just really scary, but there was one person on my team, and his doctor had given them the medicine I needed. So that person gave me that medicine and I was able to get well. So it was another way that the Lord really showed his provisions in a tragic and a scary situation. I went on and um, came back from Peru and started working with the junior and senior high students at my church. That's, um, Tim was one of the high school to high girls I work with shows how old I am. And um just, just loved it. I loved it. I was so much so into their lives. But then uh um, we had a youth pastor come from Atlanta and he spoke at something and then he asked me to um intern in Atlanta and work with inner city kids. Friend of Valley and I went and it was really different from Montgomery but I just loved it and um it was there was a lot of issues that those kids were going through. And that's where I met my husband, Kevin. He was from Texas, um, Kevin Jacks, and he had um, gone to school, got a building science degree, and had started working for a mission organization. <laughs> and he took junior and senior high kids overseas in the summer, and he would lead the project. So when I joined this leadership team of single um, guys and girls, he was in that leadership team. So over a year, we were always with junior and senior kids. So it was really kind of, then, you know, we started dating and got married. We stayed in Atlanta a few years, but Kevin said, you know, we, when we start having kids, I want to be near your parents. So I said, sounds good to me. <laughs> so we moved back to Montgomery, where he um, continued his company, Jack's Construction. And we had three children. We had Virginia, Kirby, and Bowen. Virginia, and we had two years after that, we had Kirby, and three years after that, we had Bowen. So it was busy, you know, with Kevin with his company, but pretty much just the normal struggles that, you know, parents go through with their children, being young and all that. But in 2010 was the year. Um, my dad, I was, you know, the only daughter, and was very close to my dad, and we got a call one night that he was being rushed to the hospital. So Kevin and I went there, and he had a brain bleed. And within two days, he was gone. And I can't even begin to explain um, what my dad, he was just such a, 
um, amazing, amazing man. Still is, but he is. He was just amazing. There was a few things that stood out stood out to me about my dad. Is he would he was very relational, just always pursuing time with with people and time with me. He would take me out to lunch on a day or take me to dinner, even after I was married. He would do these special things, and when we were um, we'd go eat, he would just tell me what's going on. He would ask me all these questions. And then he always said the same thing. He's like, you know, I say this every time, but I just want to clarify it again. You know, there's only two things that will last forever, the word of God and the souls of men and women. And he said, Ginger, if you're not investing in those two things, you're wasting your time. So he would just remind me of that time after time. So that was so instrumental in, in what, I, what I was doing and the Bible studies I was in and the discipleship. Another thing, um, I remember about my dad, he was an attorney here, and two summers I worked as a runner at his law firm. And I just remember even seeing how different he was in the workplace. He just was so patient and so kind. And with all the other runners, he, they were like, your dad is unreal. So one day we arrived home from work together, and I said, dad, you're just so different from all the other attorneys. You're just so kind and compassionate. I said, what is it? And he said, you see the good you see in me? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, that's not, um, that's not Jesse. That's Jesus. And I don't even know if I really understood. I mean, I thought, wow, that's cool. But the more and more I get older, I see what he was saying is anything that we do is his righteousness and his deeds. We don't, we don't have anything to offer. And my dad saw who he really was. And without Christ, he was nothing. So it was all him. And um, so anyway, you can imagine the void in our family when he went to be with the Lord. My mom and dad had been dating since the 10th grade. And so they, you know, my mom was devastated by the loss of my dad. And so we were all very, very, um, very hurt and very grieving. Six months later, almost to the day, my daughter, Virginia, who was 17, went to um, a Clemson-Auburn game. She went with one of her best friends that lived a couple of doors down. And so I remember helping her get ready that night and being real excited for that day and getting real excited for it. And then um, she called me after the game was over. She was always very responsible. She called, said, hey, mom, we're getting in the car to come home. I just want to let you know. I said, okay, y'all be careful. And so I gave the phone to Kevin. I was really tired. I remember praying for and Kevin and my other son, Kirby, we're watching The Passion, and Bowen had already gone to bed. So I just gave the phone to him, you know. So if she calls and needed him, he would have my phone. So I went on to bed. And then, um, I guess it was a couple of hours later, I was woken up by our, our Emily's parents, our neighbors. They said, there's been a terrible accident in Auburn. We need you to go up there. So they never said what had happened. So Kevin and I, you know, I even got some clothes from Virginia. And we headed up there and we were at the hospital. We were waiting to see Virginia. And someone else's um, that had been in the accident said, um, and we said, Oh, how's your son? And they said, Oh, he's he's fine. And I was, you know, Cap said, We're still waiting to see Virginia. And he said, Oh, you didn't know? She didn't make it. Huh. And I remember just looking at Kevin and looking at, we were just, I mean, in shock. Kevin said, Well, I want to see her. I've got to see her. And so they worked it out. And I'll never forget um, 
getting in this elevator. Um, I don't even know where it was in the hospital. And going up this elevator and going down this hall. It was, it was dark. There was no one around. No one was talking. You know, you think of a hospital being lively and, you know, it was very dark. And we walked down this hall and they opened the door and there's my daughter laying on the table. And um, Kevin um, and I just fell on her. And I can't, I, I knew, I knew in my heart that she wasn't there. I knew that when you're um, absent from the body, you're present with the Lord. And I knew without a doubt that she wasn't there. But that was the body that I loved for 17 years. And, um, um, she was not damaged from her face up, so that's a blessing. But we were just, I can't, this, this sickness came over me. And uh, we just looked, stayed with her a little while, and then we left. And we got in the car to come home. I'll never forget. Just, just sitting there in the car. We, it was silent on the way home. And um, all of a sudden, I, I thought, I've got to talk to the Lord. And I said, Lord, I know you say give thanks and all things. Please bring to mind one thing, just one thing that I can be thankful for. And all of a sudden, ACT came up, and I thought, that's true. My daughter, she was an excellent student, made straight A's, but she was terrible in taking standardized tests, which she got that from me. And she dreaded taking the ACT, and she had dated a guy that had made a 32. And so she even dreaded it more. So the Lord mercy and his sweetness brought that to my mind. And I thought, <laughs> 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 so we get home and we sit in our family and um, get to the house and we stayed up all night. My husband and I, we just went down and what if? What if we had just told her she couldn't go to the gate? What if we had chosen to do something else? And we just went back and forth. And the next morning, my son Bowen, I had not even known. We had, someone came and sat with him, and, um, and so he was asleep. And um, so the next morning, his, his room was downstairs, and Kirby and Virginia's was upstairs. So he came in, and we said, oh, Bowen, we have something terrible to tell you. And he said, what? And we said, your sister Virginia was in a car accident last night, and she didn't make it. And he just burst out crying. He was 11. He turned 12 on the day of her funeral. And he burst out crying. He said, this is just unreal. He said this. He said, she loved me so much, Mom. And you know, you know how brothers are. I was like, she did. She just reads his kindness. And he said, um, can I ask you a question? And we said, I thought, oh, here it goes. You know, he's going to ask, you know, what she looked like, what happened. You know, I just didn't even know. And, um, we said, Shana Bowen, and he said, well, when God decided when Virginia was born, did he know then when she was going to die? And we just looked at him, and we said, well, yeah, Bowen, it says in his word that he ordains all our steps, that he He knows all things. So, yes, he did. And he goes, well, can I ask you another question? And we said, what? And he said, was there anything we could do to change? That's mm-hmm. awesome. Wow. No. No, but I don't know what. And so he walked in there. Kevin goes, "Well, I think the Lord just answered the one else." <laughs> <laughs> so even the most, the, the beginning of our grief, the Lord was speaking to us. 
um, so many other ways. Let me just tell you a little bit about Virginia. She had, um, two weeks before her accident, she had um, started an EE class at our church with Matt Phillips and a bunch of other um, elders. And so she was learning to share her faith. So she came to me and she said, I wrote out my testimony. Mom, will you, will you look over it? And I said, okay. And so of course I was like, oh my goodness, Virginia, this is awesome. In her testimony, she starts off saying, you know, I, was all, I grew up in a Christian family. I was told to read my Bible, go to church. She said, but there was a moment in my life when it became my own, when I made that personal decision to follow her. And she said, it's not easy. It's, it's sometimes very hard. And she went on explaining. She said, but can you imagine sacrificing your child? I was like, oh, my gosh. She said, that's what God did for us from his son, Jesus Christ. And I was blown away. With just, you know, I'd heard that testimony, but then how so much more it related to what was going on. And, um, and also about a year and a half um, when she was in 10th grade, she had come to me and said, Mom, you know, I love basketball, love soccer. And I, you know, I love doing all that. But I want to invest in something. I want to leave a legacy that lasts for eternity. And so I said, well, you know what to do. And she's like, I've got to pour my life into girls. But they can pour their life into girls and they can go on for eternity. So she did that. She started pouring her life into um, some girls, and those girls are meeting with other girls. It's just so precious to see that. Um, I could go on and on, but she just had an incredible love for the Lord. Um, she she knew he. She just. But the thing is, she was an ordinary girl that just chose at an early age to surrender her life to him. Um, I remember the um, first um, two weeks. After a week, she was gone. I remember everybody kind of, you know, things settled down and everybody goes their own way. And you're left with this room. You know, she was she was um, training for a half marathon. There were her shoes. I mean, just constant reminders that she wasn't here. And I remember um, Kevin is very honest, upfront, you know, just tells it like it is. And I remember people would say, what, what do you feel like, Kevin? I feel like I've lost a lamb. An important lamb. And I can't function without it. And um, he said, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to be able to function anymore, but I know that God will help me through this. So his was like that cut off, you know. And I thought it was so unreal because if you see someone without an arm or a leg, you see their struggle. You think, oh, that's so cool. But when someone's lost someone, they are still struggling so much, but it's more mental, you know, it's a more mental thing. And um, I remember when I would explain it to people, I, I remember Virginia coming to school, not my boys, but Virginia would come into school with this backpack. And it would always have like, I would say, did you bring your whole locker home? It would be just so heavy. And that's what I felt like every day. I felt like I would get up and it would be this heaviness. You know, and I just said, God, I can't do it. And he would take me through. Um, he would take me through. I remember the focus, especially at night. I mean, you know, because Virginia was very busy, always. She was very independent, always doing sports or whatever. So she was gone during the day, but at night, the quietness of the night. I just remember I couldn't get my mind off of it. It would be like, it would just, it's just on your mind. And so I, I started just going to the table in our kitchen. And I'd get out a piece of paper. And I'd go through the alphabet. Um, a, we're drawing mine. You're beautiful. 
you're my comforter, your deliverer, you're faithful, you're so good. And I would go through all the alphabet. And sometimes Kevin would come in there and he'd go, How many times have you gone through the alphabet tonight? I said, Ten. You know, I would just keep wanting to focus on that because I didn't want to go back to the pain. So the Lord was faithful in, in, in helping me with that. Four months after Virginia was gone, had this thing come up on my face. You know, my kids were like, oh, you look like Nanny McPhee. You know, it was a huge thing. And one of my best friends has was a surgeon, plastic surgeon. And so he saw it and he took a biopsy of cancer that's growing. That's got to come out. And so um, we got it taken out. Um, you know, he, he didn't know how extensive it was going to be. So Kevin gets me, we get back in the car and I'm about to pull that mirror down, you know, because I haven't seen it. You know, so I'm about to put in Kevin said, don't do it. Don't, don't look at your face. I said, why not? He said, I, I just don't think you should look at it. I said, is it bad? Yes. He said, it's over 80 stitches in your face. Mm-hmm. I said, oh my gosh, Kevin. And he said, but remember this. We know the surgeon. Mm-hmm. We trust the surgeon. And we know that he is going to allow us to heal in his way, in his time, he said, just like a life changer in what we're going through right now. So it was like, it was a bittersweet. Every time I saw it, it was almost like a backwards J. It was wild. Every time I saw that, that scar, it reminded me that he is healing me too. And um, I had to go back and have that. I, I had one surgery and then he felt like I needed to go back and, so, um, and have another surgery. And I found out about that. So I came home and I was like, I have to have another surgery on my face. And he said, well, Virginia's cat died today. And I was like, what? Because we, that was just like one more thing. You know, we were just so tired of being sad. And I said, oh my gosh. And he said, well, I've already made a little burial for her. And I think we should do like a candlelight ceremony. And I said, why? I don't want to do a candlelight. He said, well, I already asked the boy to make it. <laughs> Romans 5, 3 through 5, and it says, um, um, not only this, but we exalt in our tribulations and our troubles. And I thought, there's no way. There's no way. How am I supposed to exalt in this? And it, it goes on and it says, through this, you, he um, produces perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and then proven character, hope. 
And then he goes on, Paul goes on to explain, this is not just some, I hope I get to go to Disney World, or I hope I get to go out. This is a sure and secure hope. And he said, this hope doesn't disappoint. Well, I, I lived my life in disappointment, and I thought, this is the hope that I have. And then the last part of the verse is said, because God pours out his love to you through his Holy Spirit that he's given us. And that verse became so alive for me. You know, I always knew. My parents had told me, you know, God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. But it took on this incredible new meaning because I knew the pain I was experiencing. And I thought, why would God go through this pain willingly? Willingly. He chose his son to, to die, but he went through that pain willingly for me and for you. And I thought, well, if he's going to do that for me, I can get up and serve him. It just overwhelmed me that he would go through the pain that we were, that I was experiencing. So that helped me a lot through my, um, just in those hard days. It's just really his word. Um, now I just want to finish up with what is he teaching me now? Well, what is he not teaching me? <laughs> I, would, I would love to say the last, it will be 11 years of September. It's been real easy, but they haven't. Um, we still go, there's so many struggles. There's still the first, you know, um, that we experience. We still cry. You know, Kevin and I cried last Mother's Day. There's going to be always that missing Virginia. But there's a hope that we have that we know we're going to see her again. And um, and I, I know that no matter what happens in my life, no matter if um, my boys make choices or do things that I don't approve of or anything that happens in my life, I know that he's enough. Because when everything else was falling apart, he was there. You know, my mom would say, oh, Jesse and Virginia could just come back. Everything would be so good. And I used to think, oh, yeah, it would. And then I started thinking, not really. Because if, if my dad and Virginia came back, it would be it would be wonderful. It would be great, but I would still have conflict. We would still have politics. We would still have sin. I would still have the struggle with sin. I would have all these things. They were never meant to be my Savior. Only he was, and I thought, but if Jesus comes back, if I go to see him, he'll wipe away every tear. He'll make all things right. And so that was one thing that I kept focusing on. Another is the hope and trust in the unseen. I can't see Virginia. I can't talk to her. I can't hold her. I can't brush her hair. I can't be with her. But I have to trust in what is unseen because I will see her again. And also in the unseen, in the people's lives around me, he is producing things in my life. He's producing things in my husband and my boy's life that I can't see, but he is still working in the unseen. And I think about those disciples at the foot of the cross. Can you imagine how devastated they were? They were, Jesus, he said he was going to be our king. He said he was going to be our savior, and he's dead. They were just so confused. They were so distraught, and they thought, what is God doing? And yet that was the greatest act of love and the greatest sacrifice. And if he had not done that, we wouldn't have this hope. And so when I can't see what I want to see, I can't see my daughter, I can't see the things, I can't see her get married, I remember that God is faithful in the unseen and he's going to do great things. Another thing 
Oh, let me read this verse. It just is unreal. Second Corinthians 4, 18. While we, not, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. When you think about it, so many things that we focus on in this life, and I still do so much, is temporal. It's not going to last. The only things that are last forever sometimes are the unseen things that he's producing inwardly. And also we have hope in the future. This is not our home. And I, before Virginia was gone, I wanted to go to heaven. I really did. You know, and I knew it was a better place. But now, I mean, I have, not, I have no fear of death. Not any whatsoever. Even at BSF, one of the administrators, we would talk about someone coming in, you know, an intruder. And they say, she used to laugh and say, just go hide behind Virginia. Oh, Ginger. <laughs> Because I had no fear. I really had no fear. I was ready to see the Lord. I was ready to see my daughter. So it's hope in the future that I don't have to be fearful. And that he's conforming me right now to look like him. And that's not fun. You know, I look at the struggles that I've gone through, my sons and my husband. We talk, Kevin and I talk all the time. I don't know if the things that I see in my life would be there if I hadn't had a struggle. The struggle has produced things that um, that will last forever, that have changed me forever. And um, one thing, one Thanksgiving that was really hard for us, I just, I thought, I was so sad. I wanted to just be with her. And I remember hearing Francis Chan talk about um, eternity. And he, and he had this rope. And he had this real long rope. And at the very end of the rope, he had this little red part covered. And he said, just imagine that this is our life. And he said, this is our life here on earth. And then this rope, and it, it didn't go on forever. But he said, imagine that it goes on forever. He said, we fuss and we fight and we plan and we stress and we all this over this little part. But there's a moment right here where we meet our Savior face to face. We have all the eternity. And I thought, Yes, yes, it was so comforting to me that you know that this life is so short. And it gave me hope, but it, it gave me a passion too to say, okay, Lord, what am I doing right now? Who will last for eternity? Who am I reaching? Who am I sharing with? And so it's given me a real passion to share that hope with others. I was telling Hillary, I'm working on a um, counseling degree so that I can just meet with other moms. They've lost um, children. And not that I'm going to tell them anything, but just to walk beside them and let them know that they can make it, that there is hope. It's a dark, dark place when you lose a child. It's very, very dark. Um, it's, it's because it's so not normal. It's not the normal progression. I always knew I'd, I'd lose my dad. and My mom right now has dementia. So I'm, I'm losing her, really. But I never, ever expected to lose my daughter. So it's just not a normal progression. And so, so many women and, and so many men that lose it, it's so hard to get past, past that deep, dark feeling because it's so heavy. But we do have that hope. You know, um, I'm going to close with, um, my pastor's been doing um, um, sermons on Psalm 23. They've been so good. And a couple of weeks ago, he did one on um, the part where he says, he anoints our head with oil. And he went on to explain that when the shepherd anoints the sheep's head with oil, it's usually because he has a wound or a bite or an attack or a tear. And he goes in and he takes that oil and he rubs it in and it heals 
at sheep's wound. And he said, he anoints us, our Savior, anoints our hands with oil. And that's the Holy Spirit. And he gives us Holy Spirit. And he grieves with us, grieves in such a, a loving word. You, if, you, if you didn't love someone, you wouldn't grieve. So the Holy Spirit grieves. He, he um, comes along, alongside. He comforts us. He anoints our head with oil. But then the next verse, my cup overflows. He doesn't want us just to take that hope and that what he's poured into us. He wants us to pour into others. It's so important that we come alongside. And that's, that's storytellers. It really is. When I started looking and reading about it, it's taking what God has taken you through and saying, you know what? This is what he's done in my life. How can it help and encourage you? Come alongside. And we do that until we go home. We'll be doing that until we go home because we all have different stories that we go through. I want to close with one of my favorite verses. Um, in Romans 15, 13. This is the Passion Translation. Now, my God, the inspiration and fountain of hope fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in him. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with his super abundant abundance until you radiate with hope. It's not, it's not ginger. It's Jesus. It's what he does. In us, it's his strength, it's his mission, it's his passion. We're just a, a vessel for him. Man, I enjoyed Ginger. I enjoyed her perspective. I, my favorite part was her saying at the end, it's not Ginger, it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I went back to the beginning where she was talking to her dad when she went to work with him. And she was blown away by just how kind he was. Mm-hmm. And and when, you know, he said, hey, it's not me. This is Jesus mm-hmm. that you're seeing. I love that she tied that back in. And that, that he had told her, you know, her whole life uh, being a parent today, that it's, you know, all about the souls of men. It's mm-hmm. not about us. And it even just challenged me to to sit and have that conversation mm-hmm. with my kids more often. Right. Especially to, the ages that your kids are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're middle school and late elementary school, middle school, early high school. We're right there. Yeah. It's there, there's so much yeah. more to life than you. Exactly. And it's not all about you. Um, and it's and, something that simple that played out really played out in her whole life's yeah. journey. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things that she challenged everyone on is to ask yourself, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you doing um, for eternity? One of the things that really stuck out to me, and I, I guess I just never really thought of it in the way that she brought it up, but just her title being Hope in the Unseen. And then she referenced the disciples and she said, they had to be thinking, what are you doing mm-hmm. when he was up on the cross? And they had no idea what he was doing and and the magnitude of what he was doing and and how many people would be saved because of what he was doing. Well, and, and the perspective that she gained from losing her child, I mean, just when she touched when she choked up and talked about this really put my salvation into perspective because she thought about the sacrifice that the Lord made on our behalf. That's right. That was so powerful. Yeah. And you know, we're in a place today where we look around all the time and say, Lord, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is so much happening right now. And Ginger, at, at the end, she gave really practical things mm-hmm. she did when she was sitting in grief and uncertainty, when she was just so tired of being sad. We can't relate to that, but I think, well, maybe our, we the three of us, right, right. you know, but, but there are times when 
right now we're sitting going, I'm so tired of thinking. Yeah. My brain hurts. I'm so tired of making choices. I'm so tired of all of these mm-hmm. voices. And to sit and go through the ABCs of yeah. what you're mm-hmm. thankful for. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because just recently I was telling my husband, and in this I'm going to be really raw here, it's just that sometimes I'm like, gosh, I want to feel the Holy Spirit and I don't feel Him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what else I can do to serve Him for me to feel Him more. And, and it was funny because my husband said, Katie, why don't you sit in your prayers and just Tell him how thankful you are for things. Mm-hmm. Don't ask him for anything. I mean, even ask him for help or help me be a better parent or help me do this. Guide me in this. But just sit there and be thankful. Mm-hmm. And y'all, it's a game changer. I bet. So I don't know if there's anybody out there that's feeling like, where are you, God, here? Where are you, Holy Spirit? Sit and just list what you're thankful for. And it can be simple things that you're thankful for. And I promise your perspective changes and your faith changes. Mm-hmm. Katie, we pray to close us out? I would love to. Dear God, I just thank you so much for Ginger's story. I thank you for the reminders that she gives us that you are working in the unseen. You are working when we don't feel you. And Lord, I pray for um, anyone who's listening out there today that just needs to know that you are with them. Help them to feel your presence. Help them to recognize the things that they need to be thankful for, the things that that you have done, um, and even just simple things, Lord, that the sun came up today. And so we thank you, God, for the blessings that you've given us. We thank you for all the storytellers that have shared for us and challenged our faith. And specifically, again, today, we thank you for Ginger and all um, that she has taught us through her challenges and her struggles and her pain. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. We hope that y'all are enjoying season five and our new stories. We have some great and exciting stories coming your way. If you want to hear more about those and know what story comes every week, you can follow us online at Storytellers Live Podcast on uh, Instagram and Facebook, or you can sign up for our email list, which is at StorytellersLive.org. Have a great week, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.